Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm your host, Harold Littlejohn. I'll be here for the next hour. I've got a great guest for you. We're talking local business, all kinds of interesting things. And I hope uh, you're able to listen to the whole thing because it's really going to be entertaining. Now, the subject today that I started with the last time I was here on uh, two days ago was the, um, I was talking about what a trillion was, and then I was talking about what 20 trillion was. And just in case you missed it, if you, uh, if you look at our national debt of $20 trillion, if you had $1,000 bills stacked tightly, that $20 trillion worth of $1,000 bills would stretch from Redding, California to El Paso, Texas. So that, that was what I was telling you guys uh, last time about what $20 trillion is. Now, the other, the other thing I want to introduce you to is probably the biggest problem that the economy is going to face in the next, I'm guessing, couple of years. Uh, I'm never too great at timing. I mean, I can tell you things like the market is going to crash, but I can't tell you when because you just never know when things are going to happen. But you do know they are going to happen. So, And, uh, and I don't mean to be a, a ne- negative uh, Nelly here on this show, but I want to educate people as to things to at least think about and read about. And today I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm reading from an article. It's uh, one of the main news websites that I go to because I don't listen to CNN too often other than for like laughs and entertainment sometimes. But the place that I look a lot at uh, on the internet news is a place called zerohedge.com, Z-E-R-O-H-E-D-G-E. And if you want to kind of keep up with financial news and some regular news uh, when it's important, but mainly financial news, uh, this is a great website. I I do look at this a lot and it keeps me uh, abreast of a lot of things. There'll be a lot of things that someone will say they just saw on TV, but I read an article about it on Zero Hedge like uh, the day before. So it's, it's, it's that kind of place. So the name of this article, and it was published July 1st, is America's Pension Bomb. Illinois in Illinois is just the start. It was published July 1st. The interesting thing about that date is that Illinois on June 30th, when their fiscal year ended, states usually go till June 30th, they had three years without a budget. So the people who rate these bonds, like for instance, when you hear the word junk bonds, that means that somebody's bond, either a, a municipality, a government, or a company, has been given what's called junk bond status, junk bond rating, a low rating for the safety of that bond. Illinois, during the end of June, has been threatened by the rating agencies. I believe S&P is the biggest one. That's the one that threatened them, that their state bonds for the, to be the first state ever to be possibly subjected soon to junk bond status of their bonds. They hadn't done a budget in three years. They owe something like $16 billion of bills they can't pay. Then on June 30th, a federal judge sided with some Medicaid recipient uh, contractors who are not getting paid by the state. And on June 30th, to add insult to injury, this federal judge told Illinois, no, you guys can't keep paying $100 billion a month toward these Medicaid bills. You have to pay $500 billion, uh, million a month. So basically what we have here is the, uh, a, a major problem with a potentially bankrupt state, which has never happened before. So I just want to read to you this quick little article, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. It's called America's Pension Bomb. Illinois is just the start. It says, we've written quite a bit over the past couple of months about the pending financial crisis in Illinois, which will inevitably result in the state's debt being downgraded to junk at some point in the near future. Unfortunately, the state of Illinois doesn't have a monopoly on ignorant politicians. They're everywhere. And since the end of World War II, those ignorant politicians have been promising American baby boomers more and more entitlements while never collecting nearly enough money to cover them all. It's all been a massive state-sponsored scam. 
As we've noted frequently before, some of the largest of the many entitlement scams in this country are America's public pension funds. Up until now, these public pensions have been covered by stealing money set aside for future generations to cover current claims. Well, uh, just I'll just interject here. What they're saying there is that just like Social Security, the current people working are paying in and the money they pay in is being paid out to the people who are retired. So that's the same thing happening with all these various pension funds around the country. So I'll start again. Up until now, these public pensions have been covered by stealing money set aside for future generations to cover current claims. It's a Ponzi scheme of epic proportions, five to eight trillion dollars to be exact. Of course, the problem with Ponzi schemes is that eventually you get to the point where the Ponzi is so large that you can't possibly steal enough money from new entrants to cover redemptions from those trying to exit. And with a tidal wave of baby boomers about to pass into their retirement years, we suspect that America's epic Ponzi is on the verge of being exposed for the world to see. And when the Ponzi dominoes start to fall, Bloomberg has provided this helpful map. Well, this article has a map showing all 50 states and the percentage of pension fund liability over pension fund assets. And the moral of that story is some of them are not in the red. Quite a few of them are. Some of them have a small positive. And so like South Dakota actually has is the one with a small positive. And it says, of course, if you live in a state like South Dakota, you may take some solace from the fact that your public pension is fully funded. Don't. Once the dominoes start to fall, and they will, those ignorant politicians we mentioned above will think they're doing the right thing when they attempt to socialize the issue with federal bailouts and tax hikes. And the article ends with, unfortunately, this is one crisis that will be too large for even American taxpayers to bail out. So the reason I wanted to share that article is that pension funds like here in California, the two biggest ones, we have CalPERS, the Public Employees Retirement System, and CalSTRS, the State Teachers Retirement System. Those giant pension funds, their entire mathematical basis is based on them earning 7% returns from their investments. As we know, the rate of return on investments to be uh, safe investments like treasury bonds is right now a little over 2%. So what's happening is these pension funds are not earning anywhere near 7% returns, which means they will be insolvent at some point. And I'm not saying that there's an easy solution to this, but I'm saying that anybody here that relies on their pension from CalPERS, CalSTRS, or any of these large uh, government-backed pensions, uh, there, there could end up being trouble. And even if they don't cut uh, pension amounts at some point in order to balance this thing out, they might have to have bailouts from the federal government, which means more printing money. And that leads back to what I was talking about, the $20 trillion national debt. What if that $20 trillion becomes $40 trillion, uh, when these bailouts have to start happening? So uh, all I'm saying is you need to really keep an eye on what you're invested in. Be careful. And dollars, as we know them right now, could end up being worth a lot less than uh, they've historically been worth. And the reason is things like these uh, pensions that are big liabilities that these states really don't have the money uh, to pay out. So that was just my uh, my little spiel today. I don't mean to be negative all the time, so now I'm going to turn to the positive. In the studio, I have with me a longtime friend, a longtime client, and uh, all-around businessman uh, that we're going to interview today. Uh, his name is Steve Catterall. How you doing today, Steve? All right. Uh, so thanks a lot for coming in. I really appreciate that. So uh, a little bit of background. I personally met Steve about uh, 30 years ago when I, uh, my wife and I were able to move back to uh, Chico after graduating from college. And uh, I did some work in the Bay Area. And then I got married. And we ended up being able to come back to Chico. And one of the first people I met uh, in the downtown business world here uh, was Steve. 
and uh, he's just a he's a really fascinating guy with a lot of experience. I wanted to get into things about you know what's it like to be a, a Chico businessman for all these years. So, uh, uh, Steve, tell me a little bit about the start of your Chico business experience. What back in the seventies, I think. So I moved here from Santa Cruz, and um, I got a job at uh, LaSalle's, and that was, um, you know, when it was it was a fern bar at that time. Wow. And uh, we used to wear uh, blue shirts, button-downs with ties, and uh, I mean, if you can imagine that, um, and, and it was a really nice bar of college time. Um, I had a great time, but... It was going to kill me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, were you out of college at that time? I was out of college. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and- so, so what I did was when I was going to school, I was in Santa Cruz, and um, I went to uh, a place called uh, uh, Perfect Crepe. Um, that, sounds, that sounds tasty. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. Um, and I learned to make crepes, and I just had a knack for it. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty good cook. And, um, uh, I just decided that rather than be a bartender and, uh, drink myself to death, <laughs> I would open up a restaurant and, um, you know, I figured, uh, you know, there's can't be much to this cause it's, you know, it was, I've, I've always worked for somebody else and they paid all the bills and I did the cooking right. and everybody, Must be easy. Right. Yeah, everybody liked my crepes. Right. That's so, right. So I opened up the Cranmore Inn. Now, how yeah. did you come up with that name? Um, well, it's we were kind of kind of drunk on a porch in Sonora, <laughs> and my 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 uh, partner's um, parents had this little cabin up in Sonora, and so we just thought Cranmore Inn. You know, it was, and it, we we spelt it so that it was K R A M O R E. And now, most people pronounce it Craymore. Right, right, they do. Well, that was my partner that actually made our first business cards, and he couldn't spell. And <laughs> it was it should have been Cranmore Inn because it was a small place, and we used to just cram more into the I into see. the place, and um, it was our our portions were really good, and. Um, so you know, we brought uh, the the French press to Chico and twenty five different teas and just wow. something a little bit you know different, little, right? And yeah. that was down on uh, Park uh, in that same location that it was at for quite a long time. Is that right? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was where uh, Cal's. Um, uh, what is that? Uh, tofu. Okay, Cal's but it, tofu around 16th or 17th. Yeah, or right. So? It was yeah, between yeah. 19th and 20th. So people had to probably drive a little bit to get yeah, to your place. Yeah, they but, had, but they did. But yeah, um, it, one thing uh, we had a bartender whose brother decided he wanted to invest ten thousand dollars in it, right? And in those days, that was a lot of money. That was big money yeah. in I the seventies. Still, still big money. Right, I mean, right. <laughs> I'm not. I don't right. mean that like right. that, but. Uh, what we did was we we decided that we were going to go ahead and lease this place because it was a perfect place to start, small, and it was you know kind of out of the way. And in case things didn't go well, you guys wouldn't go broke. Right, exactly. Right. right. So we no sooner signed the lease than two days later we went to get his money and put it in the bank, and he was. Nowhere to be found. <laughs> oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so, so it was a wild ride. Anyway, I, I. But you figured out how to get things I started. I sold my car and I bought a, a um, jigsaw, and right. a couple sheets of plywood, and we. But, w- there was an old, old restaurant. Jack's was, um, it was it had burned down. Oh, okay. And so there were chairs in there, and we bought the chairs from there, and. Right. We, you know, we took you, pe- the, you pieced it together. Yeah, we did. We dis- <laughs> did did the disc uh, plow discs and the the poles up on it for the table. Um, wow, it, it was it was it was pretty funky. That's great. Well, after the break, we're going to find out a little more about that uh, Craymore Inn and uh, also some other businesses that Steve ended up starting. So 
Stay with us. We'll be right back. Sometimes insurance can be a confusing business. I can't stress enough the importance of having a single professional insurance agent to help make sense of all your personal and business insurance policies. You don't want to get caught without the right coverage. For all your insurance needs, trust Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. Call 891-7900 for a free consultation and a policy review. 891-7900 for Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. Mill Creek Restaurant in Los Molinos would like to remind listeners to keep an eye on children at play in the community and look out for any suspicious activity. If you have any information concerning a missing child, call your local authorities immediately. This message from Mill Creek Restaurant. Whether you're barely hungry or hungry as a bear, stop by 8051 State Highway 99 East in Los Molinos. They're serving lunch and dinner and reminding us that it's easier to prevent a child from being taken than to find one who's already missing. Hello, I'm Joyce Meyer, and I want to personally invite you to join me on this station every Monday through Friday for enjoying everyday life. You know, life's journey is challenging for all of us, and on my program, I'm going to share with you practical truths from God's Word that are going to help you live the life that God intends for you to have. Let me encourage you that Jesus came so that you can know peace and truly enjoy your everyday life. Weekdays at 1015 here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. We're here with Steve Catterall. I'm your host, Harold Littlejohn. And uh, Steve, I'm fascinated. Tell us a little bit about how that Craymore thing ended up being and then uh, where you went after that. Well, I, I, I was going to the point where we were making our own chairs and tables. And right. we just, you know, we had, we had less than $4,000 to open this restaurant. And we needed to, to do all kinds of little, little things. And luckily, crepes aren't... Um, a big gourmet thing, so you can make them on a on a cooking uh, little. They make it right. You don't need tons pan. of equipment. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, we we did that, and I never expected uh, the business to be anything like it was. Um, the first night we were there, um, it was raining, and I thought, oh well, that's that's that. Uh, we had a 45-minute waiting nice. list you know, out, out the door. And now, uh, I used to go to a place called the Magic Pan. I think it was a right, chain. Right. Had you ever been to one of those? I Is never it? have. But um, but you, you, you were a cook before you did these crepes, right? Yes. You, you, so yeah. you, you enjoy cooking. Yeah, and, yeah I, okay. I've always enjoyed cooking. Right. But um, what I noticed was that um, the people that were outside, were, were, they, were, they were pretty upset. Um, what having because, to wait? Yeah, because it was raining. To wait. But where was your waiting room? It wasn't. <laughs> it was the sidewalk. <laughs> it was the sidewalk, and so they were out there, blah 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 blah. But when they left, they left happy. All right. You know, they were. I mean, they were happy. I mean, we we had um, uh, twenty five different beers and wine and all that. But you know, they were. The, the crepes were good. Right. And well, I, I used to eat there quite a bit. I, yeah. I'm not sure it was while you were the owner, but it was probably around that time. But, right. Uh, yeah. Right. But it was always good food at the Craymore, yeah. Well, it, what what happened was that well, the business was so good, and, and I I have um, since found this out, that, you know, business, good business is really good to have. I mean, you want a lot of people. Right. But if you can't handle it, that all that does is bite you. Right, um, it, it works against you. It, it works if against you. You're not you, ready right. for it, so, right? So I learned that long time ago. So I started expanding the business, right? And um, it 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 was pretty good. It was we were catching up and catching up and catching up. But unfortunately, I didn't have a great deal of business experience at the time, and I was expanding with money that I should have been putting into a bank for payroll taxes rainy day or something. rainy day yeah. and yeah and 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 uh, so I I got I got 
in debt, way over my head. Right. You expanded so, maybe a little too much, too fast. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, we hired uh, Dave Gazzetti in, uh, uh, right at the beginning. You know, he, he had a lot of experience in, uh, in the business. And so uh, my partner came up to me one day, and we were, we were adding up our debt. And it was something to the tune of $10,000. Which, like, like we say, was quite a bit of money. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, was a lot of money. Right. It still is, but was. Yeah, yeah. And, and we were able to cash flow our, our bills pretty well. Right. So he came up to me, and he said, uh, Dave wants to buy the business. Mm. And I said, uh, he, he said, he wants to buy in, is what he said. And I said, well, let's just sell him a third for, you know, X this, amount of this dollars, amount of dollars and, yeah. and, and we'll pay our bills and we'll make it, make it better. And he said to me, he says, he doesn't want a third. And I looked at him and I went, it took me a while to figure it out. <laughs> and I said, oh, I said, do you want to sell him your half? He said, no. I said, I'll sell him my half for this you know, this this right. amount of money. Right. I said I'll take three payments of so much so many thousands. Right. And and that was that. So I that was a, that was the last that I saw of the Cranmore Inn as far as Right, as being yeah, an owner as, and as being yeah, an owner, yeah. right. So they you left and they just kept it I know it went it went on for quite a while. Right. It only closed maybe five or six years ago. Uh, yeah, it, yeah went, it, was, it lasted 31 years. Right. Wow. But the, the big the big deal was that it lasted the first year. Right. <laughs> That's the year <laughs> That's that matters. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right. Um, so so anyway, after that, what, what what was your next idea? So so here's what I did with that money. I decided I was going to sail around the world. Oh. Right. So I took uh, $4,000 and I went over to Hawaii and I found a boat and I sailed to Tahiti. And just, by just, yourself? Yeah. No, 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 not by myself. There was five people on the boat. Um, but in, in I don't know if you've ever sailed. You sailed sail. from Hawaii to Tahiti? Yeah, that's, that's not the way I've to go. I've sailed as a passenger, but I've never learned how to sail a boat. Right. So. Well, this, I was a crewman. Okay. So I, I don't claim to be a sailor at all. Oh, okay. Um, but I know how it works. But uh, the, the, the thing from, from Tahiti, from Hawaii to Tahiti, is not the way to go. Because you got to sail, uh, the currents don't work that way. Right, right? it's not the you gotta right sail, route. You've got to yeah. sail east and then go west. Uh-huh. And if you miss it, you're going to go all the way to the Timbuktu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so did you end up in Tahiti on that one? I ended up in Tahiti on that one. How was Tahiti? Tahiti was great. Yeah, I'll yeah. bet. For yeah, it was, a it was young a guy. Of, and, owned that. and especially on a boat. Were you unmarried at this time? Yes. Cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> But so what I did was that while I was out on the uh, ocean, uh, you got nothing to do but think. Right. I mean, you keep your keep yourself alive and uh, think about what you're going to do with your life. And I, I knew I didn't want to be a bartender, and I didn't want to own another restaurant. Right. And so I started thinking about what kind of career I could have. Right. And I came up with gemology. Oh. And so I came back, and David had my next payment. Right, and so I signed up for uh, the lessons at the GIA. In GIA, that's the high, yeah. the highest rated place to become a gemologist. Right, right, right. And so um, I, I, my the Cranmore Inn was where I got all my equipment and my education, and uh, here I am now. You know, and um, I ended up getting a job at Weissfields. And then um, were they downtown? I remember that name. No, they were in the North Valley Plaza. Okay, all right, I remember right. the name. So yeah, I, my first job was at, and I was a, you know, I I could I could sell. Right. Um, and so, that's right. You know, so you much, were like a sales. Yeah, that's man pretty much all there, they yeah. care about. Right. <laughs> and then you moved on to a downtown jewelry, right? Right. Store. And, I, and so I ended up, uh, I'm I I went to the Virgin Islands and I worked for the Virgin Islands government identifying archaeological relics. My wife graduated from nursing school. We moved down there thinking that we were going to live there the rest of our lives. Oh, in the Virgin Islands? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we got we got robbed. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 
At gunpoint or something? No, no, not at gunpoint. Oh, okay. But they took everything we had of any consequence. Oh. And uh, we were kids at that point. Wow. We didn't have much of any kind you know, Right. Nothing there, but that was all we had. Right. So we moved back to Tampa, and I got a job with a, a real good jeweler there, and I came back to Chico and uh, started managing Clifford's Jewelers. And that good was... Old, good old Clifford's. Yeah, yeah. It was... Um, the old man hired me, and the son fired me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I took that that experience from I'd, I'd worked in, you know, I'd, I'd been in the jewelry business for ten years or so. Right. Uh, by the time I got to Clifford's, and I became a gemologist, and I did appraisals, and um, I just I, I I got really into the business of jewelry. Um, Manu- I now, did they manufacture at Clifford's or? They did some manufacturing, some? yes. Okay. Yeah. Most of the stuff they bought were from manufacturers that... They were mainly resellers and exactly. retailers, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but they were good jewelers. They were, they, you know, 110, 110 years and, jeez, um, I mean, I... Right. I, they, they started in the 1800s, yeah, right? Yeah, 1881. Wow. Um, and it was like, I'm thinking to myself, I couldn't quite get past um the attitude of you know we're we're Clifford's jewelers and uh I remember telling them that um they needed to be real careful of Kirk you know Kirk's jewelers was this this guy was sharp he's like an upstart he's right? like an upstart right and he had he had an eye he had all that he had you know he he was gaining the the Clifford's jewelers had all the old customers. Right. He was getting the young stuff. So he was like, he's going, um, you know, he's he's gonna he's gonna be a, a young upstart jeweler. Wow. And and the, the guys at Clifford's were going, no, I don't think so. We're gonna be back in a second to continue this. Stay tuned. Sometimes insurance can be a confusing business. I can't stress enough the importance of having a single professional insurance agent to help make sense of all your personal and business insurance policies. You don't want to get caught without the right coverage. For all your insurance needs, trust Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. Call 891-7900 for a free consultation and a policy review. 891-7900 for Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. The evolution of flight? This is Ken Ham, whose ministry has produced the family-friendly ANSYS Bible curriculum. Flight is supposed to have evolved slowly as dinosaurs changed into birds, but a supposedly 125 million year old bird fossil was discovered that had all the features modern birds have that allow them to fly very well. So evolutionists were forced to admit that flight had been around for longer than they'd thought. So they'll just change the story of evolution to match this new find. You see, evolution isn't good science. With every new find, the story changes again, and the textbooks have to be rewritten. Instead of trusting in man's fallible ideas, we need to stand on God's unchanging word. It doesn't change with every new discovery. To discover more about the changing nature of evolutionary ideas, visit AnswersRadio.com. You can also learn about our unique Sunday School curriculum at AnswersRadio.com. Hi, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. Uh, It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger near you. Learn how at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm your host, Harold Littlejohn. In our studio, we're talking with Steve Catterall, downtown businessman for quite a few decades. So, Steve, uh, you, at this point, you are still working for Clifford's, but Kirk's Jewelry comes in and starts uh, taking away Clifford's business, shall we say? Yeah, and and um, the, the people at Clifford's were, um, 
arrogant enough to think that he wasn't going to do a thing. That they were <laughs> that they were the only children in town. Right. And um, they were 110 years old, but they they had all the older customers, and he was siphoning off the younger ones. Right. Um, and you know the the older customers are are not going to be your customers for long. So you need to right. You need to get the new ones yeah. going, and they weren't doing that. No, right. no, they weren't. Yeah. And they thought that I knew when they moved to the Safeway Shopping Center, things were yeah. declining. Yeah, yeah. It was, and it was, um, you know, I couldn't get them to modernize at all. Right. You probably um, tried to help them, but I tried to help them, and right. And um, you know, I mean, I'm, they, I'm sure they thought they were doing the right thing. Right. And uh, Charlie was was Charlie Hicks was the guy that hired me. Um, and uh, his son Mike. And his was, son fired you. Yeah, and his son <laughs> Mike fired me. So now this is a good business lesson for everybody listening because if you don't keep that flow of customer base coming, like Clifford's didn't, yeah, you will yeah. you will lose them. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. and it's a it's a terrible thing to say, but your your customers die off. Right. And right. so, um, you know, they yeah. they just they just do. Right. So uh, <coughs> you ended up with a and a desire to be your own boss again, I believe. Right. Yeah. So and so, how did that all work out? Well, um, when when Mike fired me, oh um, right, you had yeah, you had not I, that I many decided, choices at this point. Well, I decided, <laughs> did. You want to work for Kirk? Uh, well, sort of. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Kirk had a um, the corner on the corner of Third and Salem. He's got. He's still store. at Third and Salem too. <clears throat> right. Excuse me. Um, he had a florist next to him. So I wanted a little store, and I talked to him, and he had cases, and he had inventory, and um, I had the gemological experience, um, and he knew me from Clifford's, and he knew me from, um, well, from LaSalle's, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, so I remodeled the the uh, store next to him. The florist store. The florist store. Did the florist move out first? Yeah, they were gone. Oh, <laughs> were they asked to leave or did they leave voluntarily? Uh, they were. I don't know. Okay, I was just I, thinking. I, yeah, I, I, I. It doesn't matter, but I yeah, was just. I, yeah. Yeah, Kirk's got a personality. Kirk has a way. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so they were. You know that that place was vacant and it was just perfect. I mean, he had a safe. He had. Everything. So I remodeled, and we went into business together. Um, and, um, you know, it, it didn't work out because he was... Um, it wasn't a good fit for you to be No, it was partners. not a good fit. Right. Not a good right. fit. I'll put it so that now, way. So now, did you name your business at that point? Old Gold Estate Gallery, okay. which is what it was to begin with. Right. Um, and then you were only there for a few months on 3rd and Salem right. there. Right. And then you then moved to the Garden Walk. Right. And now you've been there ever since. I was back in the back of the Garden Walk next to Zotz. Oh, yeah. And uh, for four years. And then I moved forward to a bigger spot. Right. Um, and that was the best thing I ever did. And that's the and spot you're still for, in, right? Yeah, 25 right. years. Yeah, so everybody who's been down to the Garden Walk, Old Gold Estate Jewelry is the official name. Right. It is the really the premier place to go downtown for uh, jewelry. But Steve has a different way of doing it. Like Clifford's mainly, I think, bought and resold right. as retail. Which is How do you get most of your inventory? Well, you know what? I'm As a gemologist, I can, I can tell what's synthetic and what's real. Right. And I, and I've, I know enough about jewelry. I've, I read jewelry stuff all the time that I know what's collectible. And what's what's reasonable to um, what people want and what they don't want? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and you know, um, so I thought to myself, well, why don't I actually uh, consign jewelry for people? Because when you when you buy uh, used jewelry, you either buy it for scrap gold or you buy it for a reduced price because right. it's used. Right. It, right. Right. Um, there's there's no other way to put it. Right. And that's that's what my competition says. Right. So I'll just say it right now. Right. It's, <laughs> it's used jewelry. Right. But um, as a jeweler and a gemologist, I could I could repair the jewelry, I could uh, 
you can know, evaluate I, it. Evaluate it, right? Right, and I know I know what it's worth. Right. So so there's most most jewelers are are uh, retailers. Right. They're like, more yeah. like salespeople. Right. They right. buy it for a hundred bucks. Right. They sell it for. Right. They market up a certain amount. Exactly. Right. 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 But um, in your case, one thing about your business, because I've worked with Steve for quite a long time, and I've sent people to him, and uh, uh, happy customers, by the way. But Steve is really good at offering fair prices, not just for the consignment, for but if you want to sell to him. Right. Is that right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So some people want to, it's kind of like Pawn Stars. You're not a pawn shop, but some people want to come in and sell versus consign. Is that right? Right. And right. you will buy that if the if you offer if, them yeah. a fair price. If the, if the jewelry is something that I want, right. I will be more than happy to offer them a fair price for that. Right. If it's not something that I want, I'll give them a scrap value for the metal. Right. And I'll give them a fair price on their scrap metal. Right. That's so, the other thing. There's other people offering to buy gold, we buy gold, but they really don't offer fair prices like old gold does. Right. Right. And, and well, you know, I, um, I offer what I can. Right. And, you know, gold is a sure sale. Yeah, you were telling me about that. So yeah. you're saying everybody pretty much wants gold. Right. That, yeah. And, and that, I, I, I work with a corporation in Sacramento who will buy from me. Um, and, you know, they, they're, I sold some gold this morning. The scrap, the scrap exactly. gold buyers, right. Yeah. right. Yeah. So you buy, you buy from people at a fair price. Right. They buy from you at a fair price. Right. You make a bit of a markup. Bit of a markup, bit of a, of a profit. Yeah, I can sell every single scrap of gold I buy. Right, and, it's and always that, available. Yeah, and that's, and that's just you. Just I mean, I've got a whole store full of jewelry that hasn't sold, but it, a lot of it is consigned. Right. So that um, if there there is that, also that you can you can make your most money on your jewelry from grandma or whatever by consigning it. Right, um, because you, we we will take a figure out a replacement value, and it's uh, again it's used, and unless it's collectible, it's got you got to reduce the price. Right for that. Right, right. So somebody out there right now who might have some uh, maybe they inherited grandma's jewelry, and they don't really know what to do with it. What are some of the things you could offer them if they brought it into your store? You probably have a lot of different things they could do. Right. Okay. First thing we do is we look at it, and we'll tell them right right then if it's in fact uh, scrap gold or or consignable, uh, yeah. saleable, or, yeah. or, yeah. or the Taj Mahal. Right. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, what we do is we we evaluate it, and um, We'll tell them what it's worth for $20 an item. And if they can sign it with us, then we don't charge anything. Right. Okay. So they can come in, even if they're not going to do further business with you, for $20, you will appraise. Well, it's not an official appraisal. Right. But you'll right. tell them what that piece is worth if they think they might want to go sell it on eBay or something. Right. Okay. Exactly. Right. Um, now, there's a... There's a um, point to, to be made there. The evaluation is not a typewritten document. It's not really something that you could take to a court. Or an insurance or, company. Exactly. It's a verbal value exactly. by, a, right. by a GIA certified gemologist. Right. Yeah. Now, if you want an appraisal, we can do that too. Right. So uh, if somebody a 70, has a... Yeah, there's a $75 charge right. for that. But if someone has a ring from grandma that's very valuable, right. they might need it appraised. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you can do that right there in your store. Yes. Wow. And if you want to insure it, you have to have an appraisal. Right. So. Wow. Anyway. So you pretty much do all those services. Right. Now, is the uh, is the consignment always a straight certain percentage, or do you negotiate with each customer? Usually, it's a 60-40 split. Uh, we get 40%. The customer gets 60% of a percentage of retail. Um, and um, we would determine that value depending on its collectability or its desirability uh, or if, if it's just average jewelry. I hate the, the term average, but right. um, yeah, if it, it is. It means a lot yeah. to people, but it's not necessarily 
means a lot to all the customers. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, and we would do that and give them a, a value that they would receive. Right. You, you're able to tell them when they sign up with you. Right. You will get this when it sells. Right. Exactly. And, and then you have the freedom to lower your your list your your we, sticker we price. Have, yes, we can have we can lower our our side of it to get it sold if you want to. But the customer gets his amount. Gets, gets his amount unless we talk to him and get him to, um, well. <laughs> That's to okay. Say, I wanted That's to say right. raise it. This is business buzz. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, they, so I mean, if they want to lower yeah, the price, they right. can do it. If something sits for a year in your ca- uh, cabinet, you can't you can't have things sitting there for years and years. No. So, so yeah. we have a 90-day minimum on consignments. Uh, at that point, then we can either call them and let them know uh, that we can't sell it. We want to reduce the price. They want right. to come get it. Um, right. It's after up to 90 them. days, right. it's at, at will. Right. You know, yeah, so. so nobody loses anything. And, right. Yeah. So uh, what are some of the other things that you can offer uh, people who bring things in? Um, you, I'm just not, uh, you have so many customers over all these, thir- what, 30 years in that 30 location years, now? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you've probably seen a lot of different things come in. Or, oh, you also manufacture is that correct? That is correct. Can I you have... make custom jewelry for people that have an idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I have something um, in mind for that. That's why I asked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we. I have two excellent jewelers. Um, so it, it's yeah. It's a. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get on. To We're that. going to talk about that right after the break. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Business Buzz. from our protected springs and is delivered right to your door. Great planning, Bob. Hey, where are you going with that? Those Martians are stealing my water. Guess we have some new customers. And anyone can get Mount Shasta spring water if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple. Naturally, the best Mount Shasta spring water. <laughs> hey, everyone. Let's all stop what we're doing and take a moment. You see? Every moment can be kind of special. But they can be loud moments, goofy moments, dorky moments, it doesn't matter. Because every time dads like us take a moment like that to spend with our kids, well, it's pretty momentous. So let's take a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Rick McConnell with the Disciple Tip. Nobody has to tell you when you need more gas in your car. You look at the gauge, and if it's low, you put some gas back in. But what about your spirit? It works pretty much the same way. Your spiritual tank can get empty, and when it's low, you need a spiritual fill-up. But you don't have a gauge on your spirit to see how low you're getting. But there are some signs like depression, irritability, and a sense that God is far away. See Galatians chapter 5 for more signs of an empty tank and the secret of getting your spiritual tank full again. A message from Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. We're in our final segment, talking with Steve Catterall. I'm your host, Harold Littlejohn. And we just got into the topic that old gold uh, estate jewelry in the Garden Walk. What's the address there? 225 Main Street. 225 Main Street. You go right past PCI Computing, and he's about, what, two doors back, right? Right. Steve's and you can also get back. in from Wall Street. Yes, you can park the, on Wall where, Street where yeah. the parking's better, yeah. Where the farmer's market is, that big lot there, and you can walk right in the back. Right, you can start stop by, grab a Zot's hot dog, and come yeah. down and see Steve. <laughs> so you actually manufacture custom jewelry? Yes, uh, um, and that was, um, there's, a, there's a story there. Uh, I, I went to a uh, jewelry school in San Francisco, and I became a jeweler. Right, an actual jeweler. That's different jeweler. than a gemologist. <clears throat> yeah, because I was tired of working with 
with you know with with my hands and not getting anything out of it. Um, so I hi- I hired this guy from Gabriel Ferrar who had who had been working for them, and they he didn't they didn't get along. Right, he wasn't happy. Right, there. he was not happy there. But he was an exceptional jeweler, and um, I didn't think I could afford him. At that point, I was you know. Right, you weren't struggling. sure he right. you would be able to yeah. work it out. Right? And so I, I, he begged me. I mean, literally begged me. And so like, I, please I get me him. out of here. Yeah. Is that what he was thinking? Yeah. <laughs> so I offered him fifty percent of everything you did, which wow. is just unheard of, right? Right. But he said, "Okay." So what I what I recognized right off the bat is that my reputation went right straight through the roof, um, and people were more or less interested in me as a jeweler. Um, and because of I, what this guy was doing? You yeah, mean he was doing such yeah. a good job? He was doing such a good job. He was fully apprenticed from Europe. Um, he, Isn't he, he was from England or something? England, yeah. yeah I know. I know. Yeah, What's Arth- his name? Arthur Bailey. Is he still with you? No. Okay. He's, 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 I remember him. Yeah. He's moved on three or four times. From, okay. But he was a great jeweler, and he's still a very good friend. Um, so but, if I come to you with a project... You guys can pretty much manufacture things to my specifications. Yes. Almost, yeah. Yes. Wow. And um, if you have an idea, what you want, uh, that's that helps. Right. Then you can yes. draw up the drawing. Right. And, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, speaking of Gabrielle Ferrar, we've mentioned uh, Clifford's is now gone. Right. Weissdale's is the old one that's gone. Right. There was quite a few others. Um, Moody. Mooney. Monday. Monday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, how many jewelry stores are left in downtown Chico? There's three of us. Just three uh, left. Yeah, Kirk's, Gabrielle Ferrar, and Old Gold. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so that tells you something when you, you know, you can outlast all these other ones who have come and gone. Yeah. Yeah. Tells you, tells you they got a cup. They got, they got more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I've always had a theory that if it wasn't for Wealthy farmers' young wives. Right. The downtown would have a lot less dress stores. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of profit to be made these days in retailing in a no. downtown no. Uh, retail space. That's another whole topic for Steve because now Steve's business, it's a retail store, but he's also doing the scrap purchasing, scrap selling. He's doing all the consignment. But general retail is very difficult. So does Gabrielle Farrar and Kirk's, do they manufacture also? Yes. Uh, well, I, I know Kirk's does. Right. He's always been yeah, a... Right. And he is the guy making, or does he hire someone? He hired someone to... Um, he, he hires He actually to, has... He's in his basement. Right. right. But does Kirk actually do that anymore, he do did. you think? No, he, no, he did he used for a to, long right? time. Yeah. He yeah. used to do a lot of silver. Oh, yeah, yeah. cool. So well, I know Kirk's kind of an overall businessman, though. He's got a lot of things going on. He's not just his jewelry store. No, so no. He's, I don't know he, him, but yeah. I do know of him, and yeah. uh, he's he, got a lot of things going. He owns the pawn shop on 20th and Park. Oh, right, And right. he owns the pawn shop over in Orville, that big bank building. Oh, yeah, yeah right. So, so he's, a, he's and, a big gold buyer also. Yeah, right. exactly. He, he owns um, about a third of downtown. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. and and um, you know right. he owns so when it comes to when place. it comes to um, yeah it's kind of hard for a businessman like you to compete with mega wealthy competition well but you've managed to do it that's yeah. that's my point let me let me say what I did when I first got into business I went down to um, I went out to the mall and I went to J.B. Robinson and Devon's and uh, K Jewelers, K Jewelers, and all those all those people, and I gave them a card, and I said, "I am going to do appraisals. I will appraise your jewelry for you if you just send people down to me." And you know what? That attracted more business from me, and once they saw what I could do, then they kept. You know, I mean, I got a few of them for my customers. Right, right. And then they're they told their friends about me and it's in a simple something that people don't want to do is they don't want to get the education that to 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 make themselves a, a complete 
all around anything. Right. Yeah, all right. around like a hundred percent. Yeah, one stop shop. Yeah, which exactly. you've turned Old Gold into. Right now, you also have uh, associates working there every day. You have a staff oh, yeah. of what two or three regularly. Five right? people. Five people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when you go to Old Gold, if you haven't been there yet, uh, you'll get great service and just an awesome selection of. You never know what's in there because it's a consignment place. It's not like going to the mall right. and going to Devon's in Sacramento exactly. and seeing the same old styles over and over. And those those are all all done by computer. Oh, they, the, the, they, those they, types, yeah. Exactly. They pick a, uh, some kind of a supplier and then they, they plug in the numbers of what's selling. Right. And they order 1,000 of this and, and exactly. 2,000 of that. Right. Exactly. And, yeah, and I've then, never been interested in new jewelry myself and right. ne- neither is my wife. We like... The yeah. good stuff like yeah. you've got. The interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it has some nicks or something, yeah. but that's fine. Yeah, well when you when you realize that the piece of jewelry you're looking at was made by North Light in eighteen sixty and uh it's just beautiful. Um, yeah, all by not, hand. And there's nothing like yeah. that anymore, other yeah. than small amounts in places like your back room where it's being made. Right. But there's very few of those pieces. Right. I know I still have my part of my uh, collection. I remember Steve sold me a uh, 24-hour pocket watch. Uh-huh. I think it's a Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton. From like Nine, World uh, War II. 9924B. Yeah. Yeah. This guy is like, he, know, he knows everything about these. He also sold me his old copy of a Bun Special. If anybody right. knows what a... B-U-N-N, Bun Special is. Yeah. Tell us what a Bun Special is. It's an Illinois watch, a 16-size, railroad grade, railroad approved. Um, the the, uh, the railroads had to be accurate or yeah, else trains would crash. Is that right? Yeah, and in 1895, <laughs> I think it was Illyria, Ohio, it had just a horrible crash. Oh, like a head-on collision and, because yeah, somebody's right. watch wasn't running. Right, and... It's, it's not funny, folks. Sorry, well, I'm giggling. No, no. I mean, no. What 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 happened was that the the conductor pulled the watch out and it of his pocket and it changed time. Right. So right. right. So it moved. And, right. Right. So and, this, so the railroad grade watch took care of those types of corrections and said, right. This watch will do this, this, and this. Right. And it won't do this and that. Right. And doesn't it, what do they call it, positions, five it's positions? A, it's a five position. It's back, down, face down, a 12 up, six up, nine up, three up, and it always tells the same time. Right. So the time has to be accurate even in weird positions yes. of flipping the watch. Yeah. And temperature. Right. They used right. a bimetal uh, hairspring. Wow. So that it, it, they're real, they're, even today. They're real accurate. Right. Yeah, if you're ever interested in uh, learning about watches, do you have some po- – I haven't been in your store mm-hmm. lately. Yeah. Is there some pocket watches still? Yeah. yeah, anybody interested in just looking at some really neat stuff? Uh, I kind of became a bit of a pocket watch fan because of Steve's store because I could go in there and actually see some interesting antique pieces. And what's nice about buying something from Steve is it's, it's, all, it's running. You're not going to exactly. get it. At, you're not going to get this at a little uh, Army Navy surplus place, no. and then hope that it runs the next day. Right. Yeah. And it's, 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 that's a that's a good point you make. I will personally guarantee everything that you buy from me to your happiness. Right. And, if and if I'm unhappy a week or two later for whatever reason, exactly. you will take care of me. Uh huh. Right. And I'll and I'll uh, no problem refunding you your money. I mean, that's. I want you to be happy, right, with what you get from me, right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not. Uh, kind of business the old-fashioned way. Yeah, it is too. <laughs> yeah, going to old gold. Not only is it old, some of the older items you're looking at, and <laughs> even some of the older people you might be looking exactly. at. Exactly. But you're getting the old-style service of a real small shop that has hands-on. Steve's there all the time, and he runs the place. And uh, he takes care of everybody. He does it all, and it's just amazing. I've had things where I've actually, I've actually bought some things on eBay, and I got it for such a good price. I sort of questioned whether I got the the real thing. And I could go to Steve, and he would just sit there with his magnif- uh, his um, microscope loop. Yeah. and loop, and he would actually confirm that, hey, yeah, this is what you got, and 
that's the grade. And, you know, so he's able to confirm stuff. And you don't charge just for, you know, ba- I mean, you have the $20 value. No. Yeah, exactly. But you, you don't charge to talk to people if they bring something no, in. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah. No. That's like me. I'm a CPA. And if I, if I had a nickel for every time I gave free advice to a potential client who I never saw again, <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd, be a, I'd have a nose full of nickels. You, you wouldn't have to be on the radio. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, I think of that as, and Steve does the same thing I know, it's kind of like sowing the field. Right. If you treat oh, yeah. everybody good when they walk into your store, when they really need something, they will be back. Sure. And I've had a lot of clients yeah. that call me a year later and say, remember I called you and you helped me with a question. So that's the kind of store uh, Old Gold is. Whatever you need jewelry-wise, you go in there, you will get some answers. And, you know, I, I got a philosophy that I, I never never hurts making your, making somebody a friend. And, uh, you know, by helping somebody, you know, right. they, you, you just it's not because I want to get anything back. Right. I mean, I have to stay in business. So right. So if somebody sees something they like, I'll be happy to sell it to them. But um, you, you have to help somebody when you right. get a chance. Yeah, that's the thing. You have to uh, you have to improve them and you don't have to think about the dollar amount at all. No. You just know if you help them, yeah. you will get some something for it. Right. And they will get something for it. Right. When you both benefit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a so, win win situation. Yeah. And if if you want to look at eBay at seven o'clock tonight, I have a nine nine two B railroad watch going on. All right. <laughs> if they, if you want to look at that, see, I mean, if you're if you're listening, what's your what's your eBay seller's name so people can look that up? Old, old gold. O l d e. Right. G o l d. Just one word. Right. Old gold. So if you go to eBay and look up old gold, nine nine two. Is that another Illinois? It's a, no. It's a Hamilton. Hamilton. Right. So there was a few manufacturers who manufactured oh, yeah. railroad grade. Right. Right. Yeah. And there were some. I mean. They all of were the they all American made? Yes, uh, all the manufacturers made railroad grade watches. That was their highest line. Right. So, um, wow. Yeah, it, it's kind of fun. Now, when did that end? I mean, wasn't there a point where digital took over? I mean, <laughs> do they still say six yeah, positions? I'll tell you when it ended. When Bulova made a electronic watch. Accutron. Accutron. All right. Yep. The railroad approved. Accutron. Oh, so that was a railroad-approved wristwatch? Right. Yes, and it says right on it, on, oh. the, on the dial. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, my famous watch story that I like mentioning is when I was a kid, I was going to Europe. My parents were taking us on a vacation. I was 15 years old. I saved up for months. I saved $120, and I bought an Omega Speedmaster first watch worn on the moon model. And Wait, that, that to this day, is... I it's my favorite watch, yeah. and it now you can't get one for under about. Fi- Lately, they've just gone up and yeah. up. You can't yeah. get one for under about fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, Omega's taking a taking a big, big uh, rise. Oh yeah, yeah. everybody seems yeah. to want to collect those. Yeah. But uh, I, I, you know, there's there's watches that I, I that I can buy that I'll I'll always buy, and one of them is an Omega. Right. And uh, I worked for a guy in Carmel who was a uh, Swiss-trained watchmaker. And he said that Omega and Vacheron and Constantine were the best watches in the world. Wow. I've always been an Omega fan. And when other people show me their Rolex, I I show them my Omega. Yeah. And Rolex (laughs) is a technically great watch. Right. But they're they're an arrogant company. And it's a little bit overpriced. Right. You can't do anything about it. All right. Thanks so much for being here, Steve. You're welcome. That was really, really great. Everybody go down to Old Gold, get a little bit of this knowledge for yourself, and uh, you'll really like it there. See you next time on the Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn signing off. KKXX Paradise. K280GL Chico. And K283AR Chico. Yuba City, Marysville. Here's Rick Box, founder of Integrity Resource Center, with today's Integrity Moment. This week we're discussing five P's of the importance of our work. Today I want to discuss pleasing to the eyes. When I was a banker, I financed a new pristine golf course. When the course was completed, I played the second round of golf ever played on that course. As I stood on the impeccably manicured fairway, 
nestled in a stunningly beautiful setting and surrounded by animal life, I found my heart instantly connected to God due to the beauty I experienced. In Genesis 2.9, we read, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. God was concerned about creating something aesthetically pleasing to others, as we should be as well. To order Rick's new book, Unconventional Business, visit integrityresource.org. That's integrityresource.org. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. An American doctor testifying in the case of a British couple seeking the right to take their critically ill infant to the United States for treatment says the experimental therapy is worth trying. The doctor has told Britain's high court that new critical data has emerged about the effectiveness of the treatment proposed for 11-month-old Charlie Gard. The boy suffers from a rare genetic condition and is on life support. The boy's family is locked in a legal battle with Britain's most famous children's hospital, because of disagreements on whether the